This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What is going on in Asbury? So we're going to bring up, uh, for those of you who are not aware, there is a revival, quotations for some people, and, and, and before I start talking about this, I am not the expert on what actually defines a true revival in a place and, and, and what is fake, I guess. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm just a Christian. I'm just a guy that, that is going to present to you what is going on. I'm going to present facts for and facts against. And, you know, we're going to kind of open it up for dialogue here. So, so when I get done, email me at graham at dearamericamedia.com. I'll tell you my opinion at the end of this. I don't want to be like a coward and like not throw my throw my thoughts in the ring, but, but I feel it very important to say while we discuss these things, I am a lover of Christ. I, I love the Lord. I, I seek the Lord all the time and I fail miserably. And, and I believe we'll get into it and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it all up in a bow here. All right. So this is an actual news report, secular news outlet that is going to be reporting on what's going on. Um, in Asbury, I think this probably says it best. And so we'll do this first, go here, asset thing here. So here we go. This is LEX 18. Um, I guess this is a local news outlet, uh, but, but here we go. This is what they say about what's going on in Asbury. Again, as a routine chapel service at Asbury University has turned into something much bigger. Now people are coming from other cities and colleges to be a part of of what's happening. This is true. Moody explains in tonight's LEX 18 Big Story at 11. On a Friday night at Asbury University, a chapel service doesn't really seem all that unusual. For the people here tonight, though, this is something different. There's just like not even words to describe it. Because it's not really a Friday service at all. We've been here 56 hours. This is what a 10 a.m. Wednesday service has become. It just never stopped. People just never left, never went to class, never went to lunch. And um, then later, people started coming back to chapel. Ava Miller's a freshman. She was here Wednesday morning when this started. She said when it ended at 11, people just kind of lingered and the band kept playing. Since then, 
People have come in and out continuously, keeping the service going. Administrators have brought in food and water for people. Miller says it's spread beyond Asbury's campus. Last night we had people from Transylvania. We had people here from Asbury, of course, like UK. We had in the middle of the night a bus from Mount Vernon Nazarene College come down with just a bus of like a van of students that just came. Um, Ohio Christian University. There is like revivals that's like breaking out there. Administrators here say this kind of thing has happened a few times over the years. In February 1970, there was one that went on for 144 hours. However long it goes this time, they hope it leaves an impact. And so our prayer is, is that God will be honored and that students' lives will be changed, but all of our lives would be changed. In Wilmore, Sean Moody. All right. Okay, so that's that one. Uh, and I want to, oops, that's the wrong button. I want to play you <clears throat> another clip. And that was more like an official clip. This is a clip of a young man that's there who is just giving what appears to be a testimony here. Um, the, the interesting thing about this is there doesn't seem to be like, it, it seems to have just broken out it, it is, is an interesting thing. It doesn't really seem to be like, I don't know, like a, like a, like a real front person leading or directing this thing. It just seems to be kind of happenstance, but it just keeps going. So let's listen to what this young man says, because I think it's very powerful. Um, and then after that, we'll, we'll deep dive a little bit and do some research here about this. This is revival. It isn't hype. It's ordinary people crying out for a move of God. Okay, so I don't really know how you argue with what he said there. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when they switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year. That's nine zero zero. Listen to this. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service. They're backing it up with a 100% money back guarantee. So instead of giving your money to woke companies like Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, why don't you switch to Pure Talk? All you got to do is go to puretalk.com and enter the promo code GRAHAM, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to save 50% off your first month. So not only a 100% money back guarantee, Using the code Graham gets you 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. All you got to do is go to puretalk.com, promo code Graham. That's puretalk.com, promo code Graham. Restrictions supply. See sites for details. That seems very real to me. Um, you know, there is a overwhelming 
joy and an overwhelming uh, sense of this. And so, all right, so let's read some of the doubters here. So this is uh, from my good friend, Sean Foyt. He says, attention believers don't dunk on the Asbury revival just because it doesn't fit what you think revival should look like. I see young and old worshiping, praying and repenting hours on end. Only God births moves like this. Let's celebrate and receive and ask for more across America. Again, I agree with that. But let's bring on a skeptic here. And 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 forgive me, I mean, this is kind of wordy here, but we're going to try to read this thing. Oh, that's the wrong one. We're going to try to read this thing in real time for you guys, because like I said, there's a lot about this college that I don't know. I know they're Wesleyan, which is a denomination that I don't agree with, um, but, but I think it's important to read it here. And that's what we're going to do. So here we go. <clears throat> Why we should be very skeptical. Ugh, I can't talk. Why we should be very skeptical of, let me pull it up here so you can see it, of the Asbury Revival. If you've been following the Christian blog sphere, social media, or news cycle, you're probably aware of the reports of suppose, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. I want to preface this by saying that God can bring true revival whenever he pleases and that he can use whatever means he pleases to do so. But as Christians, we should always use caution when discerning anything that claims to be a move of the Holy Spirit as it would be completely irresponsible not to do so. As with everything we do, we must compare what is taking place with Scripture and test everything uh, and test every spirit to see what they see if they are truly from God. All right, this is where they talk about it breaking out. This is social media posts. Let's get to his thoughts here. Uh, the event said to have started after a chapel service focused on confession and repentance has attracted a group of students who claim to have experienced the presence of the Lord through worship and communal repentance. And for those involved, the experiences and testimonies of a transformative encounter with the divine, they say, are real and powerful. Uh, while the university and its students are enthusiastic about the revival, some are questioning the validity of the claims and the rapid spread of the event through social media. The revival is being compared to a similar event that took place in the 70s. Yeah, we heard that in the news thing. Okay, here, here's, here's where we go. The revival is being compared, blah, 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 blah. Uh, century look at what is going on, reveal what is going on. It's not attracting Solid Bible-believing Christians, but false teacher and heretics. Okay, so full transparency, I don't know this Todd Bentley guy, okay? Apparently, he's a false teacher and a heretic, and this guy lays out what he does in here. So this is a Twitter post from Todd Bentley. Um, <clears throat> he says, I'm booked to spend several days in the Asbury Revival in Wilmore, Kentucky this week. This is a sovereign outpouring uh, I'm going to soak in for a few days. Let's catch it. Spread the fire. Who is hungry for God too? Hashtag awake, awakening. Hashtag follow for follow on updates of revival. Okay, so this is uh, Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley was disqualified as a minister after it was found out that he was caught up in multiple sex scandals. Bentley once claimed he healed seven deaf people in one night and also claims to have raised from the dead on one occasion after claiming to raise someone from the dead in a hospital. Chris Rosbro called the hospital only to say that there was no record of what Bentley claimed. Asbury University is associated with the Wesleyan Holiness Movement, which Charles Johnson, a Reformed Baptist pastor, noted 
that unless what's happening as Asbury leads them to repent of promoting and supporting feminist Marxism, it's not truly biblical revival, which leads to a reformation of the affections um, along with a return to biblical doctrine of the church. Okay, so like I said, Wesleyan is a denomination that I don't agree with. Um, let's see, and, and I'm going to read the hard things on here, all right? Asbury University, like most progressive churches, schools and denominations promote women in the pulpit, a clear violation of God's design for the church. Asbury is also very theologically lax on homosexuality and teaches revoice side B Christianity. They've got that in quotation marks. I don't know if that's like a real thing or not. Theology, as Pastor Johnson stated, a true revival featuring repentance and faith should turn people away from the false teachings and cause people to hunger for God's truth as revealed in his word rather than a superficial emotional display bought on by music. Now, this is interesting. Now, this this is like a full-blown attack on worship music almost, which is interesting here. Okay. Now I'm not going to go into, you guys know where I stand on homosexuality, the LGBTQ community, et cetera. I, I feel like I don't need to be like, well, I think this, da, da, da. You guys already know where I stand on that. I think that there's a lot of weak churches, 99% of them. Yes. 100% agree. All right. But here's the part that I do have a slight issue with. So let's read some of this here. All right. Charismatic religious movements, particularly those associated with the third wave are well known for their utilization of emotional manipulation tactics, particularly through music. These movements tend to prioritize, uh, I don't know that word, some type of gatherings uh, where participants from different denominations and even altogether different beliefs come together over a strong emphasis on doctrine and theology. In fact, the teachings and preachings aspect of such gathering are often secondary to the use of music as a means of inciting emotions and a sense of unity among participants. This approach to worship undermines the importance of sound doctrine and scripture teaching in shaping a person's faith. What we are seeing take place at Asbury right now is quite a bit of, um, of emotional manipulation. While pursuing social media for clips of the event, in nearly every one of them, there is music being played that was written by false teachers and much a... Uh, and much of it has lyrics that are questionable at best or even outright unbiblical. Personally, I am unaware of any historical true revivals that took place while a false Jesus was being presented. Is it possible for some people here to truly get saved and brought to repentance? Sure. Is it possible? Sure, it is possible. And I wouldn't want to downplay a true salvation experience. As I said, God can use any means he pleases to bring someone to faith. However, he has chosen and ordained the preaching of his word uh, truthfully and without adulteration to bring unbelievers to belief in him. It's possible uh, that enough of the gospel was preached during this event to cause some to come to faith, but it's unlikely that a movement that doesn't cause mass repentance from false teaching um, to be a true revival. And further, it is unlikely that a movement that attracts false teachers, charlatans, and prosperity gospel pimps to flee is a true movement of the Holy Spirit. I disagree with that last paragraph 100%, um, that a true movement of the Holy Spirit would not attract false teachers, charlatans, uh, and prosperity gospel pimps. I would actually think that a true revival would attract those people so they could have an experience in an encounter with Jesus. 
Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but I disagree with that. That whole, that, that goes to the whole being a, you know, uh, being a, uh, a light into the darkness, right? Like if all we attract anyway, but let's do this. Despite the U S blowing through the 31.4 trillion dollar debt ceiling in January, the leftist white house still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k or even just your savings account, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is text the word GRAM, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to the number 989898 right now to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000 and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting the word Graham to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 right now. So what I did was I just looked up revivals, like definition of revival, Christian definition of revival, et cetera, and I found multiple things here. So uh, basically the word revival literally means renewal or awakening. It's literally what it means. Uh, let's see. Uh, the King James dictionary definition is one, to bring again to life, to reanimate, to raise from languor, depression, or discouragement, to rouse. Uh, revival refers to spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy. Sorry, I'm having to squint. I can't get my screen to go over and like it's super small. I apologize. Uh, revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. Now, that is interesting to me. So that article talking crap about it. And, and, and again, I don't agree with the Wesleyan denomination. However, I also believe that God can choose to ignite revival wherever he sees fit. <clears throat> that person was basically saying that music and worship music is a form of um, <clears throat> emotional manipulation, which I do not agree with at all. Um, there's a reason that Lucifer, <laughs> uh, Lucifer music, there's a correlation there. Worshiping the Lord, like that's a very real thing. Uh, it's a very direct, um, connection with the Lord, worshiping the Lord, et cetera. Um, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, I don't agree, agree with that stance. Um, I do agree that if this church is having a full blown revival, that they will turn from these false ways that they believe, which is laxed things on LGBTQ, et cetera. However, the biggest thing with that article that I read was that a true revival is, and again, I preface, I'm not the expert on this, okay? I'm just telling you what I've read, what I've researched a little bit here. 
is that person's opinion is a true revival is massive repentance coupled with teaching at the same time. So people can be brought to the faith, right? But if you're looking up scriptural, and I literally just typed it in, scriptural definition of revival, not Wikipedia, not Webster's definition, like King James, Old Testament definitions of revival. And it all relates to uh, dealing with stagnation and the reawakening out of a state of dormancy in the life of a believer. Well, doesn't that mean someone who already is a Christian? Doesn't that mean reigniting something in them that makes them a Christian already? So, you know, let's go a little further here. What is a Christian revival? So I'm going to lean in a little bit here on this one. Let's go split screen so you guys can see it too. Um, Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. It encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God, an appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility and a desire for repentance and growth and righteousness. Revival invigorates and sometimes deepens a believer's faith, opening his or her eyes to the truth in a fresh new way. It generally involves the connotation of a fresh start with a clean slate, marking a new beginning of a life lived in obedience to God. Revival breaks the charm and power of the world, which binds the eyes of men and generates both the will and power to live in the world, but not of the world. Let's see here. Um, revival in many, hang on, let me highlight this so I can read it a little bit. I'm gonna try to get through this as quick as possible. Let's go to scriptures on this. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Revival in many respects replicates the believer's uh, experience when he or she is saved. It is initiated by a prompting of the Holy Spirit creating an awareness of something missing or wrong in the believer's life that can only be righted by God. In turn, the Christian must respond from the heart, acknowledging his or her need. Then, in a powerful way, the Holy Spirit draws back the veil the world has cast over the truth, allowing the believers to fully see themselves in comparison to God's majesty and holiness. Obviously, such comparisons bring great humility. This is very true. Real Christians, real believers know that we are nothing, that we are hopeless sinners that are destined to, to, to a fiery hell without God. We know this. All right, let's see. Uh, great humility, but also in great awe of God and his truly amazing grace. That's Isaiah 6, 5. Let's get to actual uh, scriptures here. Uh, Christ, uh, let's see, God through his Holy Spirit calls us to revival in a number of situations. Christ's letters to the seven churches reveal circumstances that many uh, uh, necessitate revival. Okay, In the letters to Ephesus, Christ praised the church of their perseverance and discernment, but he stated that they had forsaken their first love, Revelation 2, 4 through 5. Many times in the excitement of acceptance to Christ grows cold. This is true. Uh, We lose that zeal that we once had. We become bogged down in the ritual going through the motions. 
but we no longer experience the joy of serving Christ. Revival helps to restore the first love and passion for Christ. Revelations 2, 10 through 11 refers to the church of of Smyrna, which was suffering intense persecution. The cares and worries of life can beat us down, leaving us emotionally, physically, and spiritually exhausted. Revival can lift us up to new hope and faith. Revelations 2, 14 through 15 talks about the problem of compromise with the world and incorporating worldly values into our belief system. Revival helps us to rightly discern what values we should hold. Revelations 2, 20 to 23 discusses the problem of tolerating false teaching in our churches. We need to examine the messaging that we hear and compare them to the messaging of the Bible. Revival helps us to find the truth. Uh, Revelations 3, 1 through 6 describes the dead church, a church that goes through the motions outwardly, but there is nothing underneath. Here is a picture of nominal Christianity, outwardly purpose, uh, oh, excuse me, outwardly prosperous, busy with externals of religious activity, but devoid of spiritual life and power. Revival helps to resurrect spiritual life. In Revelations 3.11, we are further warned against complacency, a life that does not bear fruit. All of these scenarios call for revival. All right. So with all of those facts, to me, it seems like true definition of revival is something that starts within believers to break out of the drudge and just the absurdity of the mundane of life, because it is true. This is why I believe that it is fundamentally important for people not to live this lie of, well, I don't need a church. I, you know, I have encounters with God all the time on my own. No, 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 no. You need that refill. You need a home church. You need a community because as Christians, we constantly are getting attacked. We can it's very easy to get bogged down and in, in the mundane and lose that that thing that we once have. That's why, you know, a lot of people will say on fire for God, not on fire for God, blah, 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 blah. So based off this research and this definitions and these definitions here, I disagree with the skeptics article in this area. I disagree that revival has to have these checked mark things to be considered a real revival because that, that person speaks about it has to be this and that to lead people to the faith. But if you look up the scriptural meanings of revival, that's that's not what that means. Revival is, it starts with believers, and it starts with the reigniting of the flame and the passion for Christ in believers. So I disagree with him on that. I also disagree with him in the sense of if it was a real revival, then these false teachers, these charlatans, whatever, wouldn't be drawn to it. What? I, excuse me? I, 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 would, I would actually argue the opposite. If it is a real revival, you would think that sinners would be drawn to it because Jesus and the Holy Spirit draws people in. Do not get this confused here. I believe in true teachings of the Bible. But if you think that a man up there, a human being up there preaching the word of God, you think that person does anything to save and bring somebody to salvation and or if they've already accepted Christ and they've started going a false way, bring them back to the faith. You think that person does that? No, God does that. We 
don't do nothing. All we can do is represent what Christianity is to the best of our abilities, and it's God that does the rest. And then the Holy Spirit goes inside of you and convicts and moves you, etc. So I disagree with that definition of what a revival is as well, or especially how a revival starts. January, the most refreshing and frustrating month of the year. Why? Because you set out with lofty goals, you stick to them for about two weeks, then you fall right back into old habits. Well, lucky for you, I have a goal you can accomplish today and feel great about it. It's called the Protect Your Family by Getting a Will goal. And you can check that box in five minutes for as little as $119 at epicwill.com slash Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M. And you'll save an additional 10%. So I just made it easier. Look, you need to protect your family. I know that most of us don't want to think about death, but it is a real part of reality and life. And we need to make sure the ones that we love and care about the most will be protected. Think about this. 50% of Americans don't have a will. Choose to be the smarter 50%. Go to epicwill.com slash Graham and get 10% off. And then you can laugh at your friends who failed to accomplish their goals because you're better than them. That's epicwill.com slash Graham now. I do agree that a church that is teaching false teaching and false doctrine, if a true revival is breaking out, that church will turn as well. I do, I do agree with that. Uh, revival helps us discern between false teachings, et cetera, and, and watered down Christianity. I believe that 100%. But I think we're encompassing two things at the same time. We're saying that this revival breakout at this Wesleyan church, the people that are experiencing the revival, we're, we're, we're coupling those people together. I just find it hard to believe that, that God only uses things that are absolutely what we as people would define as worthy of a revival to break out. A revival could break out in a prison, as far as I'm concerned. A revival could break out in somebody's basement. A revival could break out on the streets of Times Square in New York. I just don't believe that God is limited in that way. And the revival, if, if, if true scriptural definition of revival is the reigniting of the fire within believers that then spreads out across the nation, then doesn't this qualify as a revival? Again, this is just me asking. And, and again, I already stated that I am not the expert on revival. But here's what I know about Christian academia as well. I have a major problem with Christian academia because all it is is a bunch of people that interpret the Bible their own way, and all they do is regurgitate what they think is right. In fact, one of the first things you learn in seminary is uh, all seminary is is a bunch of theological doctorates that you go there to be a pastor, but then they want you to write theological papers when that's not what your gifting is, and all it is is people that think they're smarter than you and they understand better than you do give you their opinion on what the Bible says. So if we know that the church is the body of Christ, absolutely, not arguing that at all, but we also know that Christ wants a relationship with people, I, I, don't see how, 
I don't see how you can't, I, I don't see how that can't be a revival. And the people that are experiencing a reigniting of the flame of Jesus there, especially now that people are coming from all over the place, right? They're not coming there because it's a Wesleyan church. They're coming there because something is moving and God, for some reason, is outpouring something at that church. And people just want a taste of it. People are so hungry for God because there are so many spiritually dead churches and counties and cities and states in America that people will literally come from all over when they know that, that, that buddy, God's bringing the house down somewhere. I just, I don't know. To me, that would seem like a revival. And, and, and to me, it's something that we should, we should not be talking down against. It's something that we should be, we should be rejoicing that there seems to be this reemergence of, of, of reigniting the fire and the passion for Christ. But that's just my opinion. Please let me know yours. Graham at DearAmericaMedia.com. That's all I have for this episode. So Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, made headlines the other day when she basically said it's time for a national divorce. She even outlined some of the parameters here. Let's see if I can find the actual tweet. I think this is the tweet thread. Let's go to it. Let's read it. Um, all right. This is a thread. Okay. Why the left and right should consider a national divorce. Not a civil war, but a legal agreement to separate our ideological and political disagreements by states while maintaining our legal union. Definition of irreconcilable differences, inability to agree on most things or on important things. Tragically, I think we, the left and right, have reached irreconcilable differences. I'll speak for the right and say we are absolutely disgusted and fed up with the left cramming and forcing their ways on us and our children with no respect for our religion slash faith, traditional values, and economic and government policy beliefs. Okay, so real quick, before I finish that, okay, before I finish this, check this out. So I thought this was very interesting, okay? This is Vladimir Putin speaking. I guess he's addressing the nation the other day. And this is something that he had to say about America. Now, I am not going on the side of Putin. He is a horrible, sadistic freak. However, it's very interesting what he says about America. Now, this is an English overdub translator translating what he says. But before I continue with this national divorce thing and what Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying, etc., we're going to play some clips of her and even Glenn Beck again on his thoughts. Listen to what Putin says about America. This, this is very, very interesting to me. Here we go. Cannot be defeated on the battlefield. So they're waging increasingly aggressive information attacks, first of all targeting the young generations, lying on every step, distorting historical truth, attacking our culture, the Russian Orthodox Church, and uh, other traditional religious institutions in our country. Now look at what they're doing with their own peoples. They're destroying the institution of family, their cultural and historical identity, mm and uh, various perversions with regard to children up to pedophilia wow. are accepted as uh, the new norm and priests are forced to recognize and officiate same-sex weddings. P 
people can live however they want. And we in Russia have never intruded into people's private life. And we're not going to do that. But what we want to say is maybe they should take a look in the scripture, into the holy book of any great religion. It says that the family is a union between woman and man. And these holy texts are now being increasingly doubted in the West. The uh, Anglican Church is now considering the idea of a gender-neutral God. What can we say? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They cannot ignore the fact that... That is Vladimir Putin talking about America. If that does not terrify you, I don't know what does. Now, granted, I, you know, this man is a murderer, a monster, and this is all a PR, you know, propaganda machine. But what he's saying about America, that's not, not true. Does it, am I the only one that like, oh my gosh, like that is exactly what's going on here. Anyway, so that's Vladimir Putin. Let's get back to what Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying. Uh, continuing on with his tweet thread with our federal government in over $34 trillion in debt and on the verge of default, uh, clearly both left and right have proven that together they both aren't responsible, uh, with hardworking American tax dollars. A national divorce would require, oh, it moved. A national divorce would require a much smaller federal government with more power given to the states. Hence, we would solve our debt and spending problems immediately. Reducing the federal government would be easy because states would completely control things like education, trade and commerce and communications to a much larger degree and federal government to a much smaller degree. We would immediately alleviate the need for departments like the Department of Education. States would have full control over their public education. Education would look differently all over the country. In red states, they would be varying degrees of more traditional public education, charter schools, homeschooling, technical training in college and universities. Uh, red states would likely ban all gender lies and confusing theories, drag queen story times, and LGBTQ indoctrinating teachers and China's money and influence in our education, while blue states uh, could have the government control gender transition schools. Red state schools would bring back prayer in school and require every student to stand for the national anthem and pledge of allegiance, while blue states would likely eliminate the anthem and pledge all together and would replace them with anthems and pledges to identity ideologies like the trans flag and BLM. Perhaps some blue states would even likely have government-funded Antifa communist training schools. I mean, elected Democrats already support Antifa, so why not? Red states would ban biological males from all girls slash women's sports and all girls slash women's places of privacy. Red states would maintain the truth that there are only two genders and would require the biological identity of each person's gender on their identification. Uh, wow, there, there's a lot. Okay, all right, let, let, let's get into, uh, she came on and did some videos uh, in response to this. So let's listen to what she has to say here. This is her on Charlie Kirk. 
is not a civil war. It's actually separating by red states and blue states um, and making state rights and state power a lot stronger than it is right now. Um, it would be shrinking the federal government. For example, we can take education. Well, if we have a national divorce, there's no need for the Department of Education. Red states and blue states would be in control of the education in each state. All right. That's what she said on Charlie Kirk. Let's see what she said. I believe it's on Hannity, I believe is their next interview here. So let's see what we got. In my life, in my world, I all of my friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed up of being bullied by the left, abused by the left, and disrespected by the left. And our ideas, our policies, our ways of life have become so far apart that it's just coming to that point. And the last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, no one wants that, at least everyone I know would never want that. But it's going that direction, and we have to do something about it. We're also a nation, a crumbling nation. We're a nation in distress. Our government is in complete failure, over $34 trillion. We are on the verge of default, and we have to do something about that. But that was the right and the left that did that to the American people on their own. But the Democrats never stop pushing their policies, their ideas, and their culture on Republicans and the right. And we are so sick and tired of it. We are tired of our children being taught ideas and ideologies in school that we do not want our children taught, like gender lies. We do not want our children um, being having their gender change or transitioned. We, we can't even have women's sports and privacy in our bathrooms, and women in prison can't even have spaces. ESG, environmental social governance, has completely taken over corporations, and this is a huge policy pressed on private businesses through the government from Democrats. If you're a white male today in the financial industry, you can forget it. You're a dinosaur. You're going extinct. No one should ever be hired by their skin color or their gender or, or Marjorie, how they identify. It should only be about your character and your ability to do the job. Okay, <clears throat> let's see what Glenn Beck has to say about national divorce. Now, I haven't listened to this. I literally just saw it while I was scrolling for the other thing. Where did it go? Where did it go? All right, here we go. This is Glenn Beck talking. Here we go. Should we have a national divorce? I wouldn't be against it, but uh, I'm the one that's keeping the kids. <laughs> I think we're the ones that, you know, need to make sure we're not the ones that are violating the rules of this marriage. You are. You're the ones stepping out on, on us. I'm living by my marriage vows. I'm living by the rules of the Constitution. And if your state is not, start standing up and demanding that they live by the Declaration of Independence the Bill of Rights, and the U.S. Constitution. Okay, so this seems to be gaining uh, traction across the board. Um, so I open it up to you. Um, I've said it for a long time that I do not believe that the United States stays the United States for forever. Uh, I, I don't see it being another civil war. I see it being more of an economical type thing, which is pretty much what everybody's talking about here. Um, 
I guess I open it up to you, Graham at DearAmericaMedia.com. Email me and let me know. I'm also going to reach out to Marjorie and see if we can get her on the show to discuss um, national divorce. Uh, do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's getting close to time? Do you agree with the war in Russia and Ukraine? Do you agree that they're dragging us into World War III? This is a template of how World War I started. No American wants this. I don't know. I don't know a single person that's like, oh, you know, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I, nobody wants this. So are we at a point where it's so bad now? that there's no coming back from it, that, that, that the left or, you know, red states and blue states and all the above, it's so far gone that uh, the only way to move forward is to break up. Is that where we are? And, and I think we just need to, you know, unemotionally, but, but analytically, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, I think that we need to, open up the possibility of are we at that point where it's time uh, for us to think about a national divorce? And again, I don't even know a hundred percent of what that would look like. I'm just saying that a lot of the things that they said made sense to me and maybe I'm wrong for that. I want to be able to praise God the way I want to praise God. I want to be able to worship how I want to worship. I want to be able to make the own my own decisions for myself and my family. I want to be in charge of what my children are learning. I want to be able to say what I want to say without without fear of cancellation and persecution and even prosecution. I want to be able to carry my Second Amendment rights. I want America to be back to being America. And I guess the question is, you know, and I think we brought this question up a long time ago. If legitimately, let's just say for easy math, half the country does not agree fundamentally with what's going on in the direction of this country, right? If we are a true America, how can we force half the population to live, accept, and deal with things that they fundamentally and foundationally disagree with on the basis of religion, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and honestly, just moral decency? How can we, is that really American? Is that really the American thing to do? Or is it time for us to consider an alternative way of doing this thing, because the more and more it goes, the more and more I do have to say, as much as it breaks my heart, kind of like Steve Day says, as much as it breaks my heart to say this, are we getting to a point where that is no longer possible? Because, you know, we're not arguing about a 10% or 12% tax rate increase. Because that's what it used to be. Now we're arguing the fundamental direction, the fundamental value system, the fundamental principles and morals of a country right now. And I don't know how you come to terms with that. I don't know how you make that work. I don't know how you fix that. And so, again, I open it up to you. Email me, Graham at DearAmericaMedia.com, and let me know, do you think we are headed for a national divorce? And B, I guess, do you think a national divorce is a good idea? Is God gay? Again, I cannot believe that I'm having to talk about this. 
but yet here we are in where we find ourselves today, this day and age. Um, and this is why revivals across the, the country are breaking out because they are needed. Okay. I don't know what denomination this person is. I mean, it could be, uh, I don't know, Lutheran could be Catholic, I guess. I don't know. Their little sash or whatever is LGBTQ colored or whatever. Um, I guess that could be Methodist too. There's some Methodist groups that are, you know, pretty lenient on, uh, LGBTQ stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm going to play this clip and we're just, we're just going to play it, man. We're just going to do it because it's, uh, it's out there. Here we go. God is gay. Nope. 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 Mm -mm. Nope. God is a lesbian. Definitely not. God is trans. Absolutely no. God is gender non-binary. God pass. is straight. God is cisgender. I pass. God is black. God is white. Nope. God nope. is Middle Eastern. Nope. God is Asian. Nope. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God well, is you. Whoa. God is you. No, definitely not. That is that is false. That on top of Every other stupid. And you are God. Whoa. <laughs> Just when I think you couldn't possibly say anything dumber, you say something stupid like that. You are God. Because you are a reflection of God's divine image. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let's go through this, this one more time. Cause I, I know, I know that's a lot to take in. It's a lot. This is from the pulpit here. Okay. Um, uh, here we go. God is gay. Nope. God is a lesbian. Nope. God is trans. Never. God is gender non-binary. God Never. is straight. God is cisgender. <sighs> no. God is black. God is white. No. God is Middle Eastern. No. God is Asian. Mm -mm. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you. No. Blasphemous. Right there. God is not us. And this. And you are God. No, we are not. Of all the things he just said, the other things were horrifically misguided. Those right there were abundantly blasphemous. God is not us. We are not God. We are not even on the same. We are, we are ants compared to the galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies and even times infinity in relation to God. We are not God. Nope, not a the end. You are not God. Nope, not a the end. God is not gay. God is not trans. God is not lesbian. God is God. The end. God is God. This is the type of false doctrine. This is the type of, of, of LGBTQ uh, sympathetic thing that is going on in the pulpit now. And, and it's false teachings. The Bible talks about this. In the end days, there'll be a lot of false teachers that, that speak a lot of false doctrine. And I believe that this is all part of it. We want to love people people that are living in abundant sin. We want to love them and have them come into the house of the Lord to where we can preach the 
gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to them. But if we do this fundamental garbage right here, because that's what it is, it is garbage. Nowhere in the Bible does it say any of those things. Nobody in the Bible even knew what a transgender person was. First of all, it's like, ooh, God would have a gun. They didn't have a gun back then. It's sickening. It really is. Because you have people that won't let people like me come in and speak because they deem me controversial because I say things like there are two genders. Uh, God is love, but love is truth. And truth uncoupled from grace and grace uncoupled from truth is enabling. Truth uncoupled from grace is 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 brash. Grace untru- uncoupled from truth is coddling. There you go. That's a bit better way of saying it. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. Sexual sin is anything outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Now, we can argue salvation. What is true salvation? Well, true salvation would be the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of you. Therefore, conviction happens. Therefore, you no longer actively live in sin that you know to be sin. Not saying that you won't mess up. Not saying that you won't have a drink. Not saying you won't have a mistake. But to actively live in sin, it can be questioned your validity of being saved and truly accepting Jesus into your heart in the first place. These are real things, ladies and gentlemen. Living in sin is not okay. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Got it. Absolutely. But what you just heard there was blasphemous rhetoric that enables the sinner to continue to sin because God is your friend and God is your Savior, but you don't want God to be your Lord. And we can't have one without the other. You can't just only go to God when you need something. In fact, one of my favorite songs out right now, uh, it's it's by Jelly Roll, and it's called uh, Need a Favor. And the lyrics are, I only talk to God when I need a favor, and I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. So who am I to expect the Savior when I only talk to God when I need a favor? And so the whole purpose of that song is so many of us only talk to God when we need something. Save me, God. I'm in trouble. I've messed up. Save me. Help me. Help me. Help me. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And that's when we pray because we want the Savior part of Jesus because that's the easy part of Jesus. The easy part of Jesus is save me from myself because I'm a worthless, sinful peasant. Lord, save me. The hard part is letting the Lord be the Lord over your life where you actually have to live a different way. And what we're doing when you hear blasphemous, false teaching rhetoric like that is you are enabling the sin, and we cannot do that if we want to take back our society. Love the Lord, accept the Lord into your heart, repent, have the Lord be your Savior, but then allow the Lord to be your Lord as well. Hold your preachers accountable. Hold your elders accountable. Hold your churches accountable. We cannot let this be preached from pulpit. That's all we have for this episode of the Dear America podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to share this with five of your friends. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. 
It helps us in the rating. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Dear America podcast. And we'll see you all again next time.